All right, good morning. You may be seated. Uh, I want to start with a, with a thank you today. So on Friday here at Byfield, we had the funeral service for Susan Nico, who many of you are aware was tragically killed um, the previous weekend in Byfield. And, and this was the Nico family is not a family that uh, attends this church regularly. And funerals, are, it's kind of like planning a wedding in three days when you have a big funeral. You know, there's a lot of dynamics, and a lot of planning has to be done really quickly. Uh, and that's a, that's a uh, pretty big responsibility. So I just want to say thank you, especially to Jackie, uh, who's our admin here at Byfield. She does a lot behind the scenes. And something that um, I always want to point out to people, she might have the hardest job at this church. Uh, and, and I think that's not always appreciated or understood. Um, but many of you work in jobs where that administrative person, kind of a hub of the wheel, that's actually the hardest job to do in a lot of areas. Uh, and, and I think that's often true here at Byfield. So I just want to start by saying thank you to Jackie. There were others um, that stepped up and helped without very difficult circumstance as well. So thank you to everybody who did so, but especially to Jackie for, for stepping up in that way. With that, let's uh, transition here to today's sermon. My name is Brent Fugate. I am the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church. And when I was a kid, there were these stories that my dad would tell me about when he was young. I think all dads kind of do this. I do this with my kids as well. And there were a few classics that he told me repeatedly. One was, he had this apparently very smart girlfriend when he was in high school. And he would always tell me, if it weren't for this smart girlfriend, I would not have graduated from high school because I would not have passed this math class that he was taking. There's another story in which, and this, this, this sounds pretty bad. It, it wasn't great, I don't think. Uh, a lot of these stories were around academic struggles. I don't know how good of a student my dad was, but he was taking this biology class in college and they were dissecting cats and he was going to fail the final and so him and his roommate actually broke into the biology laboratory and stole one of these cat cadavers and then they tried to dissect it on their uh, like dining room table in the dorms and the ra was beating on the door i don't know it's a very convoluted story uh, but needless to say these stories were very impactful to my you know child mind uh several of the stories he told were about sports my dad was a big athlete. He was on all-state track relay teams in high school. He played football as well. And his primary physical attribute that made him good at sports was that he was really, really fast. But he also had this other, this offsetting attribute that also made him struggle sometimes at sports in that he was almost totally blind. He just couldn't see anything. And back in the 70s, when he, was, when he was, I guess, high school age, you couldn't run with like the big 1970s glasses and contacts back then were glass. So you just had to basically run blind. And there was this one particular story he would tell about being in a, in a big race. And he's running, he's running as fast as he could. And he thinks, I, I crossed the finish line. I ran the race. And so he stops running and the people in the audience start yelling at him and say, go, go, go. You're not done yet. 
And so he starts running again, but by the time he picks up speed, he ends up uh, definitely not coming in first. I think he might have come in fourth or fifth, whatever. But I'm telling you this story because that relates to the text we are going to read today. This text we're going to read from 1 Corinthians focuses on running a race. We are all running a race. This race is not an effort to gain victory over our peers or even to attain college scholarships. The race Paul talks about is a race that matters much more than any physical endeavor. It is a race every Christian runs. So if you'd please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to read verses 24 through 27 to hear more about this race. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. In these verses, Paul comes across a bit like a sports dad. We, we read it and he sounds a little bit over the top. He seems to care a bit too intensely. Some would read this and say, you know, Paul could dial it back just a bit. The difference between Paul's motivation of the Corinthians and some dad trying to hype up a group of fifth grade girls for a basketball game is that what Paul cares about actually has eternal value. It actually matters. He wants the Corinthians to live out their lives with purpose. All Christians are moving towards an imperishable prize. It only makes sense that we should run so that we might obtain it. God created every person for a purpose. Every Christian has been redeemed by Christ for a purpose. We are either making progress in our God-given purpose, or we are not. Paul is not impressed with the progress the Corinthians are making. They live as if they have already crossed the finish line. Their evidence is that they are smart and wealthy by the world's standards. For the Corinthians, everyone else, including Paul, is inferior. In their own minds, they are simply enjoying the fruits of their victory. They rest on their laurels. Throughout this letter, Paul has been scoffing at their self-satisfaction. He openly mocks them for thinking they are running 
the spiritual race well. In fact, they are weak and undisciplined. The Corinthians are like a person getting lapped in a race and they're looking behind them and they're thinking, man, look at all those people that are behind me. But what they don't realize is that's because they are so far behind. Actually, it's even worse. The things the Corinthians hold up as evidence they are victors is in fact the evidence that they are not even running in the right direction. They are like a basketball player celebrating a fast break dunk that was scored on the opponent's basket. One of the ways that Christians today are similar to the Christians in Corinth is the spiritual satisfaction you often see exhibited. I'm not sure to what extent this is a particular problem for American Christians alone. Americans do tend to rate ourselves highly. We are a very confident people. For decades, psychologists have noticed that if you ask people if they are above average, the vast majority believe they are. The term for this phenomenon is illusory superiority. 80% of people think of themselves as better drivers than average. 80% better than average. Interesting. Let's do a quick informal survey now. So I want everybody that thinks of themselves as a below average driver to raise their hand. So below average drivers. Okay, we've got a few. We've got a few. Josiah, he hasn't started driving yet. I, I try not to, Caleb Murray, of course, the two older, oldest kids in the room and their families, but I think they uh, both raise their hands. But in all seriousness, I don't talk about my kids much in sermons. I guarantee when Josiah starts driving, he will think he is awesome at it. Um, <laughs> sorry, Josiah, you asked for that. But in all seriousness, we had about like maybe, maybe 10 people that actually drive a car raise their hand, which means that the rest of us are above average. It seems that we are in a room filled with above average drivers. That really is extraordinary. Absolutely. Many, many Christians live with the illusion that they are spiritually above average and that that is good enough. The point that Paul is making here is not that you and I are competing against each other to determine who wins the prize for being a better Christian. The point is, Everyone needs to be moving forward in the Christian life. Think of it how most people do that run marathons. Nobody I know that has done a marathon has ever thought, you know what, I'm going to win. No, they don't, they don't run to win. They run to improve on their personal best. They run to finish. No Christian should think that we have arrived spiritually. We are in the midst of a marathon. Paul didn't think he was done racing. If Paul thought he needed to continue striving, that has implications for the rest of us. Nobody in Corinth was further along in their faith than Paul was. Nobody sitting here is either. I, I really like how the author of Hebrews talks about running the Christian race. He writes, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Christians are supposed to lay aside the sins of the world that entangle and impede our process. Too many of us, our, our spiritual immaturity is reflected and that we run our race like children race. Have you, ever, have you ever seen like a young kid try to run a long distance? You know what they do? They run really fast. They sprint as hard as they can. And they get really tired and they walk real slow. And they try to run really fast again. And they get really tired and they walk real slow. And it feels like that's a lot of what we do as Christians. To run the race that God has for us, we need to have self-control. Self-control is hard. It requires consistently making choices that go against what is easy and convenient. Most athletes don't retire because they no longer enjoy playing the game. The opposite is normally true. The desire to succeed and win doesn't just disappear. Athletes retire when they are physically unable to compete anymore or they just get tired of putting forth the effort necessary to compete. Running a race, playing a game is not the hard part. The hard part is waking up early to lift weights and run. The hard part is watching film. The hard part is eating right. Every competition is won through pre preparation. Tom Brady is a famous example of this. He's probably not the most physically gifted quarterback that ever lived. He might have the most self-control. A couple of years ago, Brady described his vacation routine. Even on vacation, he wakes up at 5.30 a.m. to work out. Brady told Forbes magazine he tries to drink 2.3 gallons of water daily. You heard that correctly, 2.3 gallons of water. Having self-control requires a goal that is worth the investment. Tom Brady's self-control is motivated by a desire to win Super Bowls. He has won seven. If he hadn't trained as hard as he did in the latter half of his career, he probably would have only won three. Christians need self-control in pursuit of a much more worthwhile goal. We are not called to pursue the perishable wealth or glory of this world. God has given us the opportunity to pursue imperishable wealth. Self-control is necessary for us to run the race before us. We need to be clear here. Our efforts utilize the grace that God has made available through Christ. No efforts we can make will succeed apart from the cross. 
Too often, we fall into one of two errors. The first is to think the progress of our faith is dependent only on the effort we put in. The second is to believe that no effort is required from us. Paul has no patience for either misconception. Today we are focusing on those that don't think they need to put forth any effort because that was the Corinthians' problem. When he writes to the Galatians, he makes sure they know their efforts independent of God are futile. Self-control requires a plan. Christian self-control is not an exception. Paul writes, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He mixes the metaphor he is using to make his point. Now, instead of running a race, we are supposed to imagine the control boxers exhibit. This is a little bit harder for us. Boxing is not as popular a sport today as it was in Paul's day. And, and many people, when they see boxing, they have this misperception that these guys are just getting in the ring and swinging wildly at each other. Anybody remember the boxer Butterbean? There was a guy years ago that boxed that way. But that's, that's not the norm. That's not what boxers do. A boxer better have a strategy. If they don't, they are going to be punching a lot of air. They're going to wear themselves out without having anything to show for their efforts. The idea Christians need a plan to progress in the gospel rubs some the wrong way. There's a common misconception that being a Christian involves being so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we don't need a plan. We should, we should rely on the Spirit's guidance moment by moment to move through life. That is the ideal. The Corinthians believe that is exactly what they are doing. They didn't think they needed self-control or a plan. Paul wants them to know this is absurd. They're just flailing about like a drunk guy in a bar fight, punching at the air. I have never met a Christian that has so completely actualized the ideal of being guided by the Holy Spirit that they don't need to be strategic. Although I have met a few that seem to think they have. Every Christian needs to be strategic. There are a lot of commonalities among Christians, but no two of us are running the exact same race. Our greatest opponent in the race we are running and in the boxing match in which we are competing is ourselves. Many Christians convince themselves that they are doing everything they should by comparing themselves to how others are doing. Repur returning to a point I made earlier, any conclusions we draw about ourselves in relation to anyone else will result in an illusory superiority. Most people think they are above average drivers. 
A large part of the reason this is believed is that when, when I make a mistake driving, you know what I have? I have an excuse ready for that mistake. It's ready to go. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt that we don't extend to others. When I cut someone off in traffic, it is an unfortunate exception to my otherwise stellar driving. Whereas when somebody cuts me off in traffic, they're probably just a jerk, let's be honest, okay? We're not competing with other Christians. We should care about how everyone else is racing because we care about them as people. But our concern is not that they are beating us. We just want to obtain the prize together. Every Christian needs a strategy for finishing the race before them well. There are people in this room that, that can see the finish line. There are people in this room that still have a long way to go. We all need a strategy. This strategy should include the things we typically think of. Prayer is important. Reading scripture. Some people fast. It should also include intentionality in other areas. One of the most striking things to me over the past few years is the extent to which people are shaped by community. Christian community is important. Not having it is a problem. And it's, it's great for, for us to come and be here on a Sunday morning. That's, that is part of community. But if the sum total of your Christian community is, you know, this hour block on Sunday mornings, that's probably not going to form you a ton. Serving and giving generously have value as intentional faith formation practices. Through these actions, we help others. Yes, we are also changed for the better. Nobody wants to be disqualified. Paul is not actually worried for himself when he, when he says this. He says, lest after preaching to others, I myself be disqualified. It's, it's a rhetorical strategy. By using himself as an example, Paul's statement is easier for the Corinthians to receive. If he said, you guys need to worry about being disqualified, it would be a more bitter pill to swallow. Paul is concerned for the Corinthians. They are hyper-confident. They have already completed the Christian race. Paul isn't even sure they're running it. His concern for them is in line with Jesus' statement in Matthew 7, verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. For many Christians, Paul and Jesus talking about disqualification incites fear. People question if they are doing enough. We don't need to live in fear. Our ultimate confidence is not 
in our efforts. In the next chapter of 1 Corinthians, at the end of verse 13, Paul reminds the Corinthians that God is faithful. His grace is more than sufficient. Ultimately, our confidence is in Jesus Christ, not ourselves. However, a person who shows no interest in pursuing the prize Christ has made available through grace should question what they are actually placing their faith in. Those who don't prioritize the prizes associated with the gospel may have embraced a false gospel. Such people may make a lot of claims, they may preach their beliefs, but ultimately they will be disqualified. This sermon should not end on a dour note. God has given Christians the opportunity to run a race. He has enabled us to do so through Jesus Christ. We pursue an imperishable glory. We should run with purpose. Our lives should reflect a strategic understanding of who and what we compete against. We are overcoming the world. We are purifying the world from ourselves. Our present struggles are nothing in relation to our future glory. That is our motivation. That is why we strive to fulfill the potential that has, that has been miraculously granted by God for our benefit through Jesus. We don't run out of fear. We run because the race set before us is worth competing in. Let's pray. Dear Lord, in my own life, in my own race, I so often grow tired, grow tired of my, this world, I grow tired of myself. And Lord, I pray that as I run my race, as the people in this room each run their races, Lord, that we would not grow weary, that we would recognize that the trials of this present world or is nothing compared to the glory that we strive towards. Dear Lord, I pray that you would be with each of us, that you would help us to be strategic in our perseverance, Lord. I pray that you would help us to overcome the things that impede our progress, and that we would do so in the grace that you have provided for us through Jesus Christ. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.